Talk Zone presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome once again to Motivation with a Purpose on this Friday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Every Friday morning, right in this same spot, Motivation with a Purpose, where we seek to inspire, motivate, and challenge you to live and work with purpose. I am Rich Hallstrom, and once again by my side, my co-host and partner in crime, Zeke Bambolo. Zeke, another great show as we topic, as we handle the controversial topic of bullying, but a very important topic nonetheless. Indeed it is. Uh, uh, I, I tend to think, you know, hopefully our guests will clarify this. This is why we bring the experts online to talk about the subject matters. But uh, I tend to think there is a trend that exists with the term bullying that we need to define, much less uh it's not only hurtful when it talks to the person that is being victimized as a bull, uh, in terms of a bully, all the effect it has on a bully, but I think there's a larger and greater context to the impact on our culture uh, that is somewhat being abused by the term bullying that is now a trendy term. So that's a lot, just a lot wrapped up in this conversation that we need to have this morning and hopefully we can have our guests give us some clarification of whether or not we see things in the same way or not. But it, it, it certainly has a lot to unpack. Zeke, I agree with you right there that there is a lot of misconceptions or uh, misplaced ideas around the term of bullying. And I think it's a, too easy of a term to be thrown around and used in a lot of different ways that may not be appropriate and draws us away from talking about real incidences of bullying and real concrete issues of life. And our guest, Thomas Gagliano, the author of The Problem Was Me, a former bully himself, had a problem with substance abuse and has written a book called The Problem Was Me. And he's going to tell us his fascinating story and demonstrate some of the techniques that he's used to overcome uh, some setbacks and, and bad things that have happened to him in his life and to help empower others out there so that they don't have to be a bully, a bully or a victim. And before we get into our conversation with Thomas Gagliano, our very special guest this morning, the author of The Problem Was Me. want to remind you that you can find us at TalkZone.com every week at 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on TalkZone, or you can find us on Facebook at MWP Radio AM. That's our Facebook page. Become a friend of the show or MWP Radio Man on Twitter. And then most of all, Zeke, we want to remind everybody that we are involved in a very important contest. Uh, Mission Main Street, uh, Chase Bank is offering 12 grants of $250,000 to small businesses and great projects across the country. And yours truly, Motivation with a Purpose, is a contestant right now in this contest. And we need 250 votes to go to the next round. So we want you to come to the Motivation with a Purpose show page and vote for Motivation with a Purpose Radio in the Mission Main Street Chase Bank 
contest. We got a, a vote there box right on the front of our page right here at talkzone.com. And we need your votes, don't we, Zeke? Oh, absolutely. We are behind, folks, and uh, you uh, can help us a great deal. We sometimes people look at things and they go, well, somebody else will do the voting. I'm just here, you know, and they do not think that their vote counts as it does in our election for this country, uh, a country of uh, this Republican dem- and, uh, democracy that rules uh, the same goals as we need the votes and everyone needs to be involved where possible. We just we want to go above 250, but we certainly need a lot right now. And it, I believe that shuts down tonight. Is that correct, Rich? Yes, that shuts, shuts down tonight at 9 p.m. Pacific time. Once again, 9 p.m. Pacific time is when voting closes. So go right to the Motivation with a Purpose show page right here at TalkZone.com and vote for us so we can be in the running for that $250,000 grant and be one of those 12 businesses across the country that can impact the world around us. And that's definitely what we want to do here each and every week with Motivation with a Purpose Radio. As we said, our topic this week is bullying. And Thomas Gagliano, the author of The Problem Was Me, knows all about the problem of bullying up close and personal. He is a former bully, but now he has turned his life around and is inspiring and changing people's lives each and every day by sharing his personal experiences through the problem was me. And and it's my great pleasure to welcome Thomas Gagliano to the Motivation with a Purpose microphones. Thomas, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? We are doing great. Good. Let's get good. right to let's get right to it. Uh Thomas, what is a proper definition of bullying how we how should all of us be looking at this i believe bullies are hurting inside i think every bully is to some extent and i think that they're they're acts of aggression it could be uh physical verbal um even ignoring any acts of aggression um that you're putting on somebody that you're hurting them deliberately you're meaning to hurt them um, it's your goal to hurt them. You know, I, I run uh, three groups a week, and I'm starting a fourth because I have a nice long wait list. And I try to help parents understand that the messages that they give their children early on is the most important aspect of creating a bully or victim mentality in a child. You know, as we grow older, we go through sibling rivalries, and we get messages from our siblings. Peer pressure, we get messages from our peers. We go through life, and society gives us messages on how a man should act, how a woman should act. But there is nothing more important than the messages we get in our childhood from our parents. Nothing. Uh, and I'll share with you guys real quick a little story my 8-year-old son said to me one day while watching a baseball game. He said, hey, Dad, how come those players root so hard for their favorite baseball player? I said, well, those baseball players are the heroes. And he heard what I said, and he was thinking about it. He came back, he said, you know, Dad, they may be my heroes someday, but you're always going to be my first hero. Um, Very powerful statement. But we are our children's first heroes. The messages we give them are going to dictate, to a large extent, every piece of their life, including how they handle bullies, do they become bullies, and do they become victims to bullies? Thomas, hi, this is Zeke here, and I want to help us here um, 
frame the conversation right quick, and I want to make sure we're on the same track. If not, then we need to establish that on uh, on the microphone here. But uh, a few months ago, I was asked to write an, a piece uh, that was to um, – there was a discussion going on, I guess, in the state of Wisconsin. And the term that was used was indeed bullying, but the drivers behind the conversation – was not necessarily really about the term of bullying, but instead uh, it was more of the 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 gay movement trying to use a term to describe where people were being. Uh, obviously, if someone did not agree with what they said, they wanted they called it bullying. So right. I I want to you know we're not afraid to have that discussion on here. I want to make sure we write up the tap. The, I mean the top uh, echo clearly. Uh, where is the term being abused or not abused in your in your frame of mind? I mean, how do you how would you say some of that nature? Where, uh, in fact, uh, the, what the case was is that which is I'm not completely opposed to. They were trying to make parents, as you just described, more responsible for the actions of their kids. So parents who were who had kids who were actually bullying others in school, and came home and the parents weren't doing much to kind of restrict or re, or re, re, re uh, transform the thoughts of their children to not be mean to others as opposed right. to saying, hey, uh, someone has a, a potential lifestyle that may be detrimental to a traditional you know, marriage, whatever you want to call it, and we're going to call it what it is, but no, you're bullying if you call my lifestyle wrong or what have you. So how do we frame that discussion from your point of view? Well, you know, uh, if if you go back to, again, what, what I believe in is that, you know, uh, kids that come from a, a bullying childhood are coming from a childhood where they really were victims first. Uh, before I became a bully, I was a victim. I was a victim to a lot of uh, abuses, addictions with my family. And I, I, it created a message inside of me that I wasn't good enough. And I wanted the world to pay the bill for how I felt. And I took it out on the world. I was hurting other people. So whenever we're not accepting of other people, sexual orientation, the way they think, the way they feel, when we're not accepting of those things and we're trying to oppress our feelings onto somebody else's, to me that is a way of bullying. It is a form of bullying. But if I, I believe in my heart that the very most important relationship we have is not the one we have with other people, our wives, our husbands, our children. It's the one we have with ourselves. It's amazing if I'm really good with me, how I don't try to oppress or push other people to see the way Tom wants them to see. I'm okay with myself. And I do believe that that inner anger in people is what gets them not to accept other people for who they are, where they are, how they are, and that need to make them who we want them to be can be a form of bullying yes so so you're you're, you're yes let me make sure i I'll get this straight because um especially when we talk about in this case which was the sexual orientation discussion like you just right. mentioned there it, it, for me you know when i look at my beliefs as uh a christian for example uh mm -hmm. i do i have in fact some of the the people that have come to accept and embrace and want to support what I do from a work standpoint in terms of helping to build families are even people who have a, 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 a drive or I could say a slant towards the same-sex uh, 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 orientation. 
yet and still, they do not see me as someone who is bullying because I disagree with what their lifestyle entails. Right. Okay. So I am not seeking to punish someone for their choices. But in this case that I just described earlier from Wisconsin, the case was that uh, do not call what I do right or wrong, especially if, if I'm a Christian. And that is something that I've, that, that I've come to uh, believe in a step and, 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 and obey in my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so when I come to you and, and, and try to challenge that what is happening here destroys my family or destroys our potential culture and I'm going to call it right or wrong, that cannot be translated as me being a bully. Is that what you is that what you you are well, uh, uh, condoning? I guess I guess what I'm saying is we all have a, we all have a right to our feelings. You know whether we believe uh, in in gay rights or not. It, but it, right. it's what we do with that. It's it's do I need to push my opinion to the point where I'm being I'm crossing boundaries with other people, or am I? As I said before, um, you know I can air my beliefs air my opinion, but how much, what lines do I cross to get my opinion to be somebody else's opinion? Uh, and I, I, again, believe that when you see somebody that is just pushing things to s- such a great extent at times, um, there could be a nature in that person where they have some uh, inventory they need to take to understand why people have to exactly think and act the way they want them to think and act. And that's my opinion. Yeah, and I think, and I think what I'm trying to get to here is that we have misused the term bullying to refrain from the discussion of right and wrong in society. And I do not condone that. If we're going to call bullying what it is, someone who is being dysfunctional comes from a dysfunctional family and has an issue that they can't seem to embrace others' differences, and the only way they can see to project their difference or their difference of opinion is by imposing or oppressing others as opposed to, hey, we can have a dialogue between you and I, Thomas, and I can say, look, what you're doing or what you're saying is not right because of this framework here. And let's have a dialogue and see really who has the evidence, statistics, or long-term, uh, 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 um, long-term impact to show why something is wrong or right, and we can call it for what it is, right or wrong, and, and, and walk away with that with those differences. That's okay. But when people are saying that we cannot have the right and wrong di- discussion anymore, everybody has their right opinion, nothing is ever wrong, because if you call me wrong, that means you're bullying me. I refrain from calling that, and that's what I want to establish as we move forward. So uh, that, was the, that was the nature of my question. Right is right, wrong is wrong, and there has to be a, a, a main line of right and wrong, good and bad. And, you know, it's just nature. That's what exists. From a spiritual standpoint or a Christian standpoint, I can give you a whole lot of definitions there. But even if the, in, a, in a general discussion, we have refrained from right and wrong discussions to calling people names, and you're bullying me, so don't do that. Don't call my opinion wrong. And right. I do not. Uh, that's where I'm getting at, Tom. Do you do you agree with me? Do you see where I'm coming? Yeah, from? I do. I do. Sometimes we have to agree to disagree. I don't think that everything is is just a, a, a clearly black white issue. It's a gray area sometimes. And and I think that uh, you know uh, I know that if I'm in any conversation with somebody and I allow that person to feel like I'm listening to them, I don't have to agree with them, but that I'm listening to them. It's amazing how much better they listen. To my point of view, when I'm totally in my self-righteousness, it's very hard because what happens is, and this is, again, my opinion, I become a victim to that person. They become a victim to me. When you have two victims, nobody's really listening to the other person. And I think that that happens too often. 
Thomas, how widespread is bullying when we talk about bullying? What are we really talking about when we're talking about the how widespread it is? You know, I think that we live in a much smaller world with social media, with Facebook, with all of these uh, places where any, anything happens in Oklahoma, the whole world can hear about it. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, do you think there's more bullying going on? Or, I think a lot of social media has to do with this. Um, in that they, not that it's excusable, but I think that it's, it's more pronounced in our society today because we hear about things that happen all over the world. Um, I still, I, I believe again that people when they hear of bullies, they, they think sometimes that they're coming from a childhood of, of, uh, of, of abuse and, and that's true. But sometimes it's, it's could be a verbal abuse and, and other times I believe that, you know, we have, we're in a society today with a mom and dad that they work a lot because they have to. We, there's a lot of financial pressures and stuff. And I think sometimes some kids just don't feel important. They don't feel important to their parents. It's not anything that their parents are doing deliberately. They're just dealing with life on life's terms. And I think when a kid doesn't feel valued or important, then again, that's, that's one of the telltale signs that they may go ahead and act out that anger on somebody else or become an isolator and shut down and become a victim to bullies. So I think there's a lot more of that going around. Thomas, how do we make our kids feel and think of themselves as important? You brought up a good point there. I want to expand on that. The structure um, of a home is, uh, uh, when you're building a home is the foundation. If you don't build a good foundation, you can build a beautiful home. It's coming down. It could be 6,000-foot home. It's going to come down. The foundation of a family is safe communications. There's nothing I can do for my children more than to make it safe for them to share their feelings with me, whatever those feelings are, even if they're feelings I don't want to hear. Let's say sexual orientation, for instance. If I create a, an atmosphere at home where people feel heard or listened to, my children. You know, I had a dad, and, and he loved me, but my dad had a lot of demons, if you will. And when I used to make a mistake or got emotional, he'd call me his little girl. That message of I was a little girl permeated my whole life. I felt defective. I felt less than. So my answer is that led me into, and, uh, and other things led me into becoming a bully, uh, becoming an addict, and doing a lot of other things. My book is all about childhood messages. And the first message is, this is a safe home. Share with me whatever you want to share. I don't have to agree with it or not, but I want you to be able to at least share it with me. So that's the, the first key in, in, in creating a, a, a healthy family structure. And, and another thing is this. The most important coalition in a family is the mother and father or the parents, the partners. The love that they have for each other, if they're nurturing each other right, then the rest of the hierarchy, the rest of the family falls into place. If a child can't be a child, and what I mean is, if one of the parents are not getting nurtured properly, physically, mentally, spiritually, the child, one of them, is going to step up and become a caretaker. They're going to try and fill the void left by one of the parents. All of a sudden, the child is not a child anymore. They're filling voids they shouldn't fill anymore. So all of these dynamics in the family early on is going to set the stage for the role they play throughout their life. The intimacy they have or don't have, the careers they choose, their parenting skills, 
everything. So <laughs> you have an idea of how important I feel those messages are and that safe environment is. That sounds great. More with Thomas Gagliano, author of The Problem Was Me, on this edition of Motivation with a Purpose after this time out. You're listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Yes, yes, welcome on this Friday morning in the, in the Pacific Northwest and probably a little different time where you are, but welcome back to Motivation with a Purpose here on TalkZone.com. We are talking with our wonderful guest, Mr. Thomas Gagliano. He is the author of The Problem Was Me, and we are on the topic of bullying. So, uh, Thomas, back here again as we roll, you had given us a good description of how important it is to have a good home back, a home upbringing and parents allowing their children to communicate and being able to communicate effectively as well, allowing them to kind of express things, even the things that we do not agree with in our last segment as we closed out. And that was a good point. And I want to give you a real scenario of my life. Sure. And have to give us some some clues as to, I mean, what do you see develop? How would you, have, you know, just tell us what was what would be your reaction to something like this? But um, this is a true story. You know, I, I did grow up in a very wonderful home. Had a mom and dad. You can call him an old school dad, but he was a, he was a good father. We we could talk, and uh, uh, he was a teacher, very effective communicator. Both my parents were teachers. Uh, in fact, all his students called him affectionately Monsieur Obama because he was such a well-rounded and easy to talk to. But yet, a st- strict, yet a still. He was a very strict disciplinarian, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember putting something on Facebook on our on of our, our, our alumni uh, school website a few days ago, and a lot of people were chiming in. Oh man, I, I, your dad was so great. I, he was so strict, but they were quick to point out that he was very so. You know, they could talk to him. They feel they could talk to him. You know, so. But as a young boy, I remember this one situation just not too far from my home where uh, an older kid, literally, uh, you, you can call you know, the bully situation, kind of uh, threatened me to beat them, even had me kind of pinned down to the ground, sitting on top of me and threatening to, to beat me up. And I was a skinny guy, pretty skinny, really guy, never really, um, uh, never much of a fighter. And so, but, but no doubt, I was being bullied as a little boy. Um, and I look at that situation, although it was a little bit of an isolation, but, you know, uh, now I'm looking at my life. Uh, I am uh, 6'4". I've been a college athlete and everything, basketball-wise. I played a post, you know, physical kind of person. I've, uh, but all of the, I, I dealt with a few of those situations of being potentially bullied as a young boy, you know, but it hasn't left a mark on me. That has, you know, pushed me to the point of trying to bully other people. I know I, the work that I do today is to help others. Uh, as you hear about, you know, I think we all deal with those bullying situations at some level, but what allows it to transfer into someone that is a whole lot more aggressive and oppressive to others as opposed to someone who I felt like, you know, at a young age was bullied quite a bit, never really, I mean, if I got into a fight, I probably lost a fight, but here I am today. Six four, muscular and everything, and I'm not in the. I don't feel like I need to bully other people. Uh, what, what, where do we miss? Where does the, the train take the wrong detour? If I can ask that question. I, I that that was a great description, by the way, really great, and, and uh, it's it's nice to hear you had good parents. And I, I will tell you what I heard from you. What I okay. heard, not okay. just what you said. What I heard is somebody that grew up in a environment where he knew he was loved. He knew he was important. There might have been disciplines, but he 
knew the disciplines came from love, not I'm a bad kid who deserves to be punished. You know, when we are disciplined in our life, if we hear from our parents or get the message that my parents are disciplining me because they really love me, or can I make a mistake, or do I identify myself as, a, as myself as a mistake? You see the difference in that message? See the difference where you can discipline with love, and the message is love, versus I discipline because I'm a bad kid. If I believe I'm a bad kid, and I'm not getting the right messages, there's going to be a brokenness and a pain inside of me. For me, I needed to fix what was broken inside of me, or I was going to take that out on other people. Unfortunately, many times, the people closest to us, because we get away with it. When I fixed what was broken in me with therapy, with years of working on myself, and this is what I do in my book, The Stories of 11 Other People, all of a sudden, the world doesn't change. My view of the world changes. Now, what happened to you, again, is you got the positive messages. You were bullied. Listen, it's not fair what happened to you. Life's not fair. I mean, it does happen to all of us. But you developed an inner strength in you to keep going on, to persevere, resilient, given by your parents. Um, I tell parents all the time, when your child is bullied, let them try first to get out of their own mess. Don't jump right in. Prepare your child for life. So when they get into messes in life, they know how to get out of them. They don't wait for their parents. That doesn't mean if your child is in immediate danger that you don't step in. You need to. You can't let your child get hurt. But I think sometimes we jump in a little too quick. Let, talk about it with your child. Tell your child, hey, you know what? When I was a kid, I got bullied. and I was scared. I really was scared. Be human. Let compassion guide what you say to your child in the way you say it. Be human. Don't just, we all want to write the script on what we want our children to do. That's just the way parents are. But sometimes you've got to relinquish some of that need to be right with them and listen to them and share our stuff with them. Did that make sense? That makes perfect sense, Thomas. Thomas, that leads me to a follow-up question uh, to go on Zeke's point. Um, when should we begin these bullying with our children? What's when's a good time to uh, to actually broach this subject? It's what I call being curious with your children, and that's another piece. I said you asked me earlier, and I said creating a safe environment with our children. Well, let me tell you another important piece with our children, and that is to be curious with our children. Know who their friends are. Know what sites they go on the computer. Talk to your children. Be curious. How you doing? What's going on? What'd you do today? Um, you know, my son told me when he was bullied, and I, he, this is just recently, in fact, uh, no, a year ago, and we talked about it. He said, Dad, did it happen to you? Yeah, you know what? It did happen to me. I did get bullied as a kid at times. I said, sometimes I bullied kids. I was afraid in my childhood. I explained to him my feelings to him. I allowed him to share his fears with me. Did I jump right in? No. I said to him, to try and handle it himself, but talk to me about it. Let me know when you need me, or if I felt that he needed me, I would have stepped right in with his teacher, and he handled it himself. So you want to create a child uh, that's healthy. A child that's healthy is one that gets out of their own stuff in a healthy way, can handle himself but or, or herself, but also knows that his parents are right behind him, 
and he can go back to them, and they, they got his or her back. So it's, it's making your own decisions, but also knowing that you have the support of your parents. Not being afraid to tell your parents, because they're going to maybe get more mad at you than anything else, or um, your parents jumping in so fast that you don't learn how to take care of your own problems. Okay, Thomas, that leads me to another thing. When we have been bullied, let's say we have someone out there, and I know there's got to be some people out there who have been bullied, or maybe there's someone home from school today who has been bullied and they're listening to our conversation right now. What should they do? What's the first thing that they should do to change their situation? Great question. And here's the answer is, how does that person feel about themselves? You know, again, if you have inner strength and self-esteem, you're going to ask for help. You're going to go to your parents if you have that close relationship. You're going to go to the school. You're going to take the next right action to take care of yourself. That's self-care. I feel good about myself. Take a person that doesn't have that. Somebody who slips into isolation because they're afraid to really be a part of or share because they've had a tough childhood. That kind of person might do nothing, isolate, not talk about it, keep it to themselves, and be a perfect target for bullies their whole life. So your question, I have to ask another question. How does that person feel about themselves? That's going to dictate a lot of what action they're going to take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When did the light go on for you to transform yourself from bully to someone who's done all these great things and, and written this book to try to help people and help us to see ourselves in the right way? How did that, tra- how did that switch get flipped? How did that transition take place? There's no greater teacher in life than life itself best teacher in the world. And uh, I was always a very successful business person and always great and very good in sports. Those were my two strengths. Where I failed was in relationships because of my childhood. Eventually, I created so much problems that my wife and my children left me. And uh, I had to make a decision. Did I want to fix what was broken inside of me or was I going to spend a very lonely life? And when I did do that, it took me a few years. I came out of that. I had really two goals, and this is from my heart. One goal was I wanted to give my children what my father couldn't give me, and that was a safe place. And and my other goal was to help other people, those who suffered like I had from really destructive childhood messages. And that's when I went back to school at 51. I went back to Rutgers for my master's degree, and I started to uh, run these groups and consult with couples and been very, very busy with that. And in fact, I'm going to try and do some online groups uh, on my website, but the point is is that life did it. It was my wife who's going to leave me, and, you know, you, you got to pay that bill sometimes. You know, if if, uh, if you keep hurting people, eventually that bill's going to come due, and you got to do something about it. So that's really what happened. Uh, Thomas, thank you again. I mean, I, I think you're right. Indeed, we get to that place of uh, 
where we've got to face the noise. You know, some people say face the noise and, and fight back. Some, you know, there's different ways that people characterize what facing the noise is. But I think right. that to be able to face the noise, you also have to understand what kind of a victim you are, if we can use that term. I'm not, you can tell me, you're the expert. Is it safe to even use that term? You know, whether you're a victim who, uh, you're someone who's been adversely treated, someone who's been lied to or tricked, someone who's been, you know, manipulated, injured, destroyed, you know, kind of sacrificed, a lamb to the slaughter kind of thing. Or, you know, just oppressed with hardships. You know, how do you determine what nature, what kind of victim you are in these situations? That's, uh, guys are really asking great questions. Uh, I have a very controversial opinion about this. Mm. And I use myself, okay? I was a legitimate victim as a kid. I was really abused in about every way you could. Things happened to me that weren't fair, things I didn't deserve. I'll mm. tell you where my responsibility lied is that I developed a victim mentality, and I mm. really wanted the world to pay that bill. I had expectations of these, this world that it couldn't fulfill, expectations of everybody that was just too high because I was hurting inside. So my responsibility isn't that what happened to me as a kid. I had nothing to do with that. But because my thinking created that victim mentality of the world owed me, as I grew up, I just expected everybody to think and act the way I wanted them to think and act, which is a remedy for resentment, which is a, <laughs> which, which will only bring predetermined resentments. So again, I, it wasn't the world I had to change. It was my view of the world. And that's, as I said before, where I had to get into really fixing what was broken inside of me, even though I didn't cause it initially. Mm. Mm. So uh, uh, let me make sure I understood you here. When you, you know, w yours was it? Was it a fear thing? You think? Would you say a self worth fear? Um, what do you? I mean, it wasn't code. I mean, what do you think your particular? If, if you were to give it a term, a, a, a one word term or phrase to describe what your victim mentality was, what would you say that was? Emptiness. I had no value as a as a kid. Nothing. I was valueless. Children are egocentric. Their world revolves around them. If mom is doing whatever she's doing and dad is drinking and gambling or whatever he's doing, the child doesn't look at it like, oh, dad's an alcoholic, mom's crazy. The child looks at it like something must be wrong with me or they wouldn't do this. So already a void has been created in the child's thinking. So what I had was a void. And that void created a, was a pain, and, and that pain was covered with a lot of anger. I was an angry kid. I, honestly, I was the kind of kid that you would have told your kid, don't play with that kid. You know that? I was just an angry kid. And, again, it came from a, 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 an abandonment almost of, of I just wasn't nurtured properly. Um, and it was only through a lot of hard work that I fixed what was broken inside. So, uh, again, I hope I answered your question, but it really it was just a void from childhood that I was looking to fill in the wrong places. Yeah, yeah, Thomas, you did. I mean, you, you, you hated. I mean, I needed the one word, and you, the one word you gave was emptiness, and that was that was part of you know that's another look at the victim's mentality there, and uh, and and so um, as we as we talk about that, I guess we when we come back uh, maybe from our our next break, I think we're about to go into break, but as we come back from our next break, yes, what I want to see if we can get a chance to to talk about a little bit is uh, as you as you give that uh, one word description by 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 saying that there i I think what i would uh, would love for us to just do a little bit is talk about 
this same context of bullying, this victim mentality, because sometimes when we think we think we're adults and that's not happening anymore. We've been talking a lot from a kid's perspective. Let's come back and look a little bit from an adult perspective and what's happening in the workplace and stuff like that. Maybe that may be something we can also tackle a little bit. So, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking to Thomas Gagliano. He is the author of The Problem Is Me, and we are talking about the topic or uh, subject of bullying. This is... Motivation with a purpose here on talkzone.com and we'll be right back. It's time for more motivation with a purpose radio on talkzone.com. Now back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. On today's edition of Motivation with a Purpose, we are talking about the topic of bullying. Our special guest is Thomas Gagliano, the author of The Problem Was Me. And Thomas, I want to continue the discussion and pick up where Zeke left off and talk about bullying in the workplace. And I want to bring up a specific situation that everyone in the world has been talking about, whether they're a sports fan or not. The situation with the Miami Dolphins and Jonathan uh, Martin and Richie Incognito. What are your thoughts? Well, I think when you talk about that, it's really a tough scenario. You know, we spoke earlier about sometimes it's not so clear who's right and who's wrong, and I really can understand a lot of um, uh, both sides. You know, a lot of the football players, I played football too, not professionally, but, you know, what goes on in the locker room is very different from what goes on in the outside world. What is football? Football is a game that has intimidation, that has you, you, you hit somebody in the secondary hard, your team high-fives you, the crowd cheers. It's a game with a lot of aggression. It's a game built on hurting people in a kind of weird way. Um, so when you're dealing with football, it's really different from dealing in the work environment. Now, with that said, you know, um, the gentleman that was the victim, um, Incognito, took care of himself. That's self-care. He felt the best thing for him was to get out of that environment. The best thing for him was to um, take care. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But I do understand everybody's kind of uh, perceptions in this. What bothers me a lot is, is, is people have to understand that what is a coach's job? A coach's job is to win football games, right? I mean, let's face it. They all, right. that's their bottom line. Well, toughening up football players is one of the ways you do that. Now, is that wrong? It could be. But again, don't forget what the coach's job is, and that is to win football games. You know, I, I read Incognito when he was a kid, was teased. Um, they called him a whale. He was a chubby kid. Again, going back to my point, a victim first before you become a bully. Um, he has that pain inside of him. Now, if you give somebody that pain inside of them, and they're in an r- arena where they're allowed to bully people, like, you know, they're told toughen up this kid. You give somebody with a pain inside of them like that from childhood the permission to be a bully, you're not going to have good results, if you understand what I mean. Right, right. So we know what the dyna- we know what some of the dynamics are of this situation, Thomas. How would you advise the Miami Dolphins, the National Football League, uh, Jonathan Martin and Rich Young, incognito to to rectify this whole thing how would you break it down and so we can get a positive resolution out of it i honestly don't think you can i really don't i know they 
they assigned a committee to look into this and with all due respect, I don't know what the committee is going to look into. I think this happens in locker rooms all the time. Like I said, I played football. This stuff happens in locker rooms. You want to start to uh, police what's necessary to change this. It's going to just be an overwhelming task. I think this is a very different situation to try and change than bullying in the workplace, quite frankly. And I think this is this is a toughie. This really is. I think that stuff like this goes on in, in, in locker rooms all over. Um, just a lot of times people won't quit the team to go get help when this happens. And I'm not blaming him. He took care of himself. But I, I don't think this is a rare occurrence in the NFL in the locker rooms, to be honest with you. You know, Thomas, I, 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 I'm there. I mean, we, we both, like you said, and uh, we've played sports. I've been in a locker room. I haven't been in a football locker room either or a professional football locker room, but I've been in a locker right. room. And I think – uh, end of the day, what we I I'm this weekend, for example, I'll be spending my time in what we call uh, the Father Shift Conference, and I'm a, one of the uh, their speakers there. And the conference is designed cool. to address the nature of fatherlessness in the culture, and right. and, and so some of these situations we have, we'll be dealing with situations. Obviously, people who uh, are coming from a father who who have not had a father of any kind in their lives or maybe even had a father who was absent, you know, in terms of their mental uh, aspect of the uh, emotional aspect of their lives. And, uh, and so at the end of the day, we're going back to issues, even with this bullying topic in the NFL locker room, we're going back to the issues of what are the repercussions of not having a healthy childhood, one that is right. balanced enough 100%. to be able to look at someone and say, look, here's the situation right here. I, um, you know, uh, these young men, whether or not they're football players, and if everybody's giving them, you know, applauses, or stadiums that have been sharing for years, but they have not been given the proper foundation to understand life as it goes from being someone uh, who can handle adversity <laughs> and not feel like uh, it is here. I mean, every I mean, we we go to the extreme in our culture. Adversity must be here to destroy me, as opposed to allow me to develop a healthy right. reaction you know yep. or bullying someone's bullying me so i'm not because if i'm just going to make sure i either retaliate or i do not find a way to teach my young child in this case as a parent to handle adversity that you know what life is not all about peaches and cream sometimes right. you're going to get bloody not just you know physically but but things are going to go south you're going to go bad so when they go life is not over yes how you know we are not doing a good job of training our children, much like before we get to those adult years and in the workplace, what have you, to handle adversity in a, in a very uh, uh, secure manner. And oh, it's time yeah. to show itself up. And, and I, I want to, instead of us trying to figure out what the result is going to be with the NFL, let's talk about what's happening in the culture. Right. How, I mean, Mr. Richie uh, Thomas, with Richie Incognito and everything, but Thomas, how are you teaching people to realize that adversity is meant to actually make us stronger? And we're gonna this is gonna segue into something in a little bit later more here. But what would you say? Is am I am I hitting something in the head or am I off on a, on a beaten path? You're you're 100 percent right. I'll give you a perfect message. I as parents, very very easy. When you failed as a child, was it an opportunity to grow, or did you fail like you feel mm. like you were a failure? Did you identify yourself as a failure? You see, Zeke, what I'm talking about, how important these messages are? If a child grows up 
with a message that it's okay you stumbled in life. We all do. Have compassion for yourself. Get up and let's try again. If that's the message we receive versus you failed, what's the matter with you? What are you, stupid? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. You see the difference of how that simple message can just create two different people. One person looks at failing as I'm not happy, but I got to brush it off and it's an opportunity. I, I know I can do this. The other person, when they fail, it's so painful that they just absolutely fail like a failure. And they say, you know what, I'm not going to try. I'm going to fail anyway. You see how important the little messages are from childhood? And they're not little. I used the wrong word. But how powerful they are to have children. You're going to see people. You're going to, uh, um, some kids that don't have, 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 uh, have fathers. And, and, and those messages, wherever they get them from, whether it's from uh, um, their religious uh, uh, leaders or whoever, the message is that it's okay. We all stumble in life. If we, allow, if we don't have compassion for ourselves when we make mistakes, we're never going to have compassion for anybody else. That's the bully mentality. No compassion for me, and I'm not going to have compassion for what I do to you. It's huge. Yeah, Thomas. I mean, and and, that, and that, I think that's where I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, direct us is that uh, while we're talking about this subject of bullying here, what we want our audience to hopefully hear is that uh, the, the the problem is you know stems from a, a greater source of how we are teaching our children to handle adversity, and we are being uh, kind of duped to some extent on television and everything by shows that are showing us uh, uh, things that aren't healthy. And we're not very keen to understand and look and see those opportunities to teach our children how they should have handled a situation better, for example. But the question to Thomas is, you know, as I, again, you kind of heard probably a little bit of a taste from me early on as I was talking, my spiritual background, my Christian and Rich and I, mm-hmm. but, but here, Here's something that says in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, which is what bullying is to some extent. So is there a spiritual component to bullying? Oh, I think I I think there's a spiritual component to everything. I, I. I, you know, I, I grew up in a very again, bad religious background, went to an abusive place, and, but I'm very spiritual today, and, and I, I bring spirituality into just about everything and into, into bullying, too. You know, when, when I'm down and, and I'm alone, I can either stay alone or I can, I can ask a higher power to help hold my hand through things. And believe me, those simple words that I say to myself make a tremendous difference in my life, and I think that spiritual component, even in bullying, um, can give you an inner strength um, that you need to uh, to do what you need to do to take that next right action. Although I will say again, and this is just my belief, I think it it really stems first from the relationship you have with yourself. I know I've helped many religious figures that, ironically, don't have any belief in God. Now they did; they, mm. they all became religious figures, but. Inside, they felt so bad about themselves that they didn't allow love into their life. Not the love of a God, not the love of people either. So again, if you don't fix what's damaged inside, it's really hard to let the love of other people or the love of a God inside. It's my opinion again. Um, When I'm feeling better about myself, when I feel like I deserve to be loved, it's a lot easier to look up and and allow, allow God in and to allow the love of my wife and my kids in. 
Thomas, in our closing moments, tell us a little bit more about your book and what is the most important part of your book that you want people to get a hold of and tell us how to get a hold of it in our remaining moments here. Sure. The most important piece for me, which was the most difficult, was to allow other people to help me. Um, I lost trust very early on in people. And un- un- ironically, that's what I needed to fix what was broken inside of me. So it's kind of a catch-22. It really is a we process, not a me process. So my book, The Problem Was Me, is a story of my life and the story of other people that I've helped stop this inner critic, this oppressive bully I call the warden, just absolutely ruin their life, that negative self-talk. So that's really what my book is about. Um, on my website, theproblemwasme.com, I have some free videos there on parenting, on intimacy. I'm also starting a group, if anybody would like to participate in that, on, on how to just be a little bit more comfortable in our own skin. Stop listening to it in, in a voice that keeps sabotaging our happiness. Your final thoughts, Thomas, lead me to one more question, if I may. Sure. Is there a, is there a way that boys and girls, men and women look at bullying, or is the, the viewpoint pretty much the same? Yeah I, I, yeah, I hate to be repetitious and go back to what I always say, but I'll ask you a question. What's the version of intimacy your parents had? Were they nurturing to each other? Were they helpful to each other? Were they kind, considerate? Or was there yelling? Was there screaming? Was there people walking out the door? All of that stuff will transpire in how you handle your friends and the bully situation in your life. Thomas, as you as you as you go there, you know we 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 have a few minutes, so we can dialogue a little bit more on this. But uh, you are touching on something right there, especially as the husband and wife, that uh, I think sometimes we have a culture too that has been that as um, men have been duped to thinking that this whole thing about uh, I'm the head of the home means that uh, in some po- I can oppress those, especially my wife and my children, and we tend to we can we can tend to shade a little bit towards that bullying. There are a lot of men out there who have not learned to, as the scripture says, to love their wives in an understanding way mm-hmm. and make sure that they are the sacrificial lamb, that they are, they, they are a servant leader of their home. I mean, my wife and I joke a lot because she says, yeah, you're the head of the home, but I'm the neck. I can turn the head any which way I want it. Uh, she's been very jovial with me about saying that, but she has, she embraces my leadership within the home, but I have to make sure I lead her in a way that loves her to what she feels absolutely love why I receive the most respect as a man that I that God has created me to want uh, that that's a desire she wants to be loved I want to be respected and so in a in a marital situation as well let's talk I mean how can we make sure that we are especially as men avoiding that little that slip of bullying if I can call it that oppressiveness in our homes is that do you have some 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 tips for us there absolutely when i see clients the first thing they do is they sit there and she looks at him like he's the problem she looks at her like he's the she's the problem what happens is they give me all the details of all the ways they're right in their relationship all those ways and you know what underneath all of who's right and who's wrong they want the same thing they want to know that they're loved by their spouse that they matter 
to their spouse, that they're respected by their spouse. The same thing. But what happens in a marriage, in a trying marriage, is they both become victims to each other, as I said before. What happens is, if me and my wife become victims to each other, we... We don't hear what the other one is saying anymore. We only want to be right. And I tell couples all the time, if you walk into my office, do you want to be right or do you want to be close? You choose. Uh, If you choose closeness, I can help you. If you're here just wanting to be right, you're wasting your time and money. So it's your choice you're going to make. Do I want to make my wife happy? Do I want to bring closeness? Can I relinquish that need to be right sometimes and just bring her a cup of water just because it makes her happy, whether I think it makes her happy, or do I need to be right all the time? And when I get couples off of the details of being right and I get to what's underneath all this stuff, because it's the same thing, we just want to know that we matter, that we're loved. Now I'm working with something, and, and I can make things happen. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, but, but isn't that something to call I mean, talk about this whole thing about wanting to be right. How, what is our culture saying to us about wanting so much to be right? I mean, how, what kind of value have we placed in it that has caused us, that has infiltrated our marriages and our homes, and even in this, in this case, our children when it comes to bullying? Can you, do you have some insight there for us? Well, I think, again, it comes first from the childhood of how important it was to be right with the parents. Were they willing to relinquish that and be close at times? Not give up their rights now, but relinquish that at times. And we grow up into society where, again, we've lost the compassion for somebody. It's like if if I'm right, if I'm not right, I feel defective. No, that's not true. Sometimes we're wrong in life. It doesn't mean we have to feel like we're defective. But it comes from society's messages. I mean, you mentioned something before. Look at the advertisements today. They they tell a girl, a woman, a, 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 a boy how to dress what weight they should have, how to style their hair. And if you don't fit into that mold, you're out. You're either in or out. You're either in, you you buy this stuff, or you're out. Look at all the messages that society gives us, too, which also feeds into that better and less than um, frame of mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm Rich, I'm going to turn it over to you, but I think what what Thomas is just kind of hinting out there, the word that we use is we have been duped into, into being a performance-based a uh, society, a culture, rather than well a grace-filled said. culture. Well said. Yep. And on that note, Zeke, another great show. Once again, thanks to our guest, Thomas Gagliano, the author of The Problem Was Me. Thank you very much, Thomas. And we want to remind our listeners one more time, vote for us today. Go to the Motivation with a Purpose talk show page and vote for us in the Chase Bank Grant Contest right there on the front of the Motivation with a Purpose talk show page. For Zeke Bambolo, I'm Rich Hallstrom reminding you, join us next week for another exciting episode of Motivation with a Purpose.